don't talk to me unless it's about Sisters by Daisy Johnson, part two. We have finished the book, and now we're going to talk about the second half, page 97 to the end. And to start, Darla, our predictions did not pan out. I want to hear how this happened for you, that you realized they didn't we not totally not pan out. Yes. <laughs> so it was really disappointing, the moment. So what I did, okay, let me say this. After our last call, I went back and reread part one. And I was like getting through. I got through so much of it where I was like, it's real. I, they're one person. Nobody <laughs> knows that September exists. And then I got to the point where the boy, I can't remember his name now. I don't know either, but the fake boy texting her, the girl yeah. that were doing. Yeah. Such, such a meaningful, long-lasting character. He said, your sister is scary, but in a good way. And I thought, ah, oh, crap. Okay, so they do know that she exists, so she's real. But, so I was disappointed. I quickly got through the rest of that half and then read the second half. But it wasn't totally off because although September was real, she dies and then she's not real and July still thinks she is. So the whole time at the, what was it called? The Settle House? Yeah. The whole time at the Settle House, she's not there and July is just creating her. And so I think that's what, that I must have picked up on that. She must, Daisy Johnson must have been like planting enough for me to pick up on the fact that she was not actually there in human form. Totally. It, it, you're right. It wasn't completely off. All the things at the Settle House, she was an alternate part of her personality. I went to bed after our part one podcast and I was like, oh my God, Mac I told my husband, like Darla had this revelation about the book. I can't believe it. And I started reading part two right away and 10 pages in it. The mom's talking about giving birth to September. And I was like, oh my God, this is not good. <laughs> she appears to be real. <laughs> and then I quickly had the thought of, okay, what if it's September who's dead? Because that would fit with the theory that you had, which was what it ended up being. It also fits with, re remember when we were talking about what happened at the shed, the tennis court said, that I remember your immediate assumption was someone died. That there was like, someone died. And you're like, but why did she not go to jail or try? Was there a trial or something if she killed someone? And, and my initial reaction wasn't that someone died, but something weird happened there, some kind of accident. And so an, in another way, we were both, there was an accident and someone died. And we just didn't realize what those two would be, like how that would, how they would come into reality. Mm -hmm. And I think, it also, I really hated September's character. I think I told you that I was about as happy as you could be for a child to die. <laughs> September died. But it makes me realize looking back on the whole, our speculation about what happened at the tennis court, I wasn't expecting her to be a victim because I saw her as bad and like her being the person to do bad things. I couldn't have imagined that something bad could have happened to her. Yeah, because she was like the perpetrator every time. Yeah, that's interesting. That's also another like ingenious move by Daisy Johnson is to make her the victim in that, like the ultimate victim, a child that dies. What did you think of September? I think I have, I, I saw this in our last discussion in with the Meg Mason book with Sorrow and Bliss as well, that I think I have a lot of sympathy or empathy for characters who 
don't fit the mold. And so I didn't hate her as much as you did. I didn't like, it wasn't like, like to me, I was like, I just felt, oh, she's such a, I, I guess this is the way that I think about it. I think about it as when I see a character like that, I'm like, man, we think it's hard to deal with that person, not being in the, not being them, but it is even harder to be in that head. And I think I may have even been said that when we talked about sorrow and bliss, it's like to be in, it may be hard to deal with Martha, but to be in her head is even worse. And so I think I just have that, that feeling of sympathy, compassion for someone like September. Like, I don't think she picked to be like that. I just don't think this world was the way that this world is set up was made for her. I admire you for being able to feel that way because I just look at her character and think she almost never did anything kind or good and was just, July had even said at one point she listed the bad and the good parts of September. I actually want to read part of that. It was, I thought it was really well written. It was page 188 and you know, said all the bad things September did, made me promise with blood, made me have the same birthday as her, broke my bike, was horrid to mom made me horrid to mom, made me steal the perfume, tripped me up, held me under the water, shaved off one of my eyebrows, too many other things to fit on a list. All the good things September did, loved me, looked after me, was me. But I think, did she even love July? What, besides paying attention to her, but paying attention to her in this mean way, I can't even understand their relationship. But the only reason I understand July wanting to be in a relationship with September is this weird power dynamic thing of like little sister going along with big sister. But it's hard for me to see. They had so few. I feel like there was like maybe a couple tiny moments of actual fun sister stuff, but the rest seemed like evil sister stuff. Yeah, I think we all love each other differently. Like we all have different capacities for love. Do you watch what's the show? The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? No, but I've been told by many people to watch it. <laughs> oh, you have to watch it. You would love this show. And I just feel like you're, you will so identify with her character. But she is a comedian. Mrs. Maisel's a comedian. And she's in this one episode, she's in France and she gets up on stage and she's telling this story about her life. And she says, my husband cheated on me and she's in France. And so everybody in the room is just like, with his secretary. Never there is. And so later she's like, the day my husband cheated on me, or as you would say here, Thursday. And so it's like this like recognition that like love comes in different forms, right? It's a trope on it, but like that the way that September loved July was the way that she knew how to love July. That was the capacity that she had. And if you want to think about it as like the Buddha has a hundred percent capacity for love, right? Maybe September only had the 10% or a 5%, but that's what she had. And that was how she knew how to exhibit it. And possibly with therapy, counseling, medication, a longer life, attention to it, she might've been able to express love in a different way. But I would hesitate even say in a better way, because she, I really think that she loved her the way that she could. I guess it's also hard for me to understand why... September is the, or was the way she was. I think the mom often saw parts of the father in her and thought like she took on his dark traits. But I think about like seemingly September didn't have issues in her early years that would have made her feel like this lesser than person. If anything, like 
she was the firstborn. And then it didn't, it didn't even seem like July got more attention. And that's why September was the way she was. And so I think that made it especially hard for me to feel sympathy or empathy for her because I just couldn't even see a reason for it. You were looking for the why. Yeah. There's not always a why. Yeah. There's not. So that's the child that I was. So that's dying. That's yep. a quotable one. Can we but, make sure that goes up when you start to get quotes online? Can we make sure that's one of yours? <laughs> that's the <laughs> child I was okay with dying. Good job, Caitlin. Yeah. Sorry, but I was. September, I was happy to see you go. But then honestly, she, like you said, of her being the ultimate victim, but she even wasn't. I feel like July was the ultimate victim with the way the whole is like skipping to the end, but where she's in July after we can go back after this, but after July realizes September is dead. And then there's that one chapter where July is like, oh, but I could actually be free. I could do things I would never do as September. And then after that says, but I didn't do it that way. I was basically taken over by September. And I just thought that was such a depressing end for July that she's like haunted forever by September and is never going to be herself. I think for me, I don't think I saw it quite that way because we saw it as this slice right now. So think of how often we have things in our lives that we feel like now is going to last forever. I don't know if you felt this the way this way through pregnancy and childbirth and mothering, where you're like, if you have a difficult sleeping baby or a difficult feeding baby or just a phase where you're like, this is never going to end. We just don't we don't think about it in the ter- in terms of like definite that like there are phases in all parts of life. We talk about phases when we're growing up, but we but once we hit adulthood, we don't really talk about that. And think about it this way: July is still growing up, right? She's she's not that old when we end True. this book, so things will change. It's just the way that that she is right at this moment. She says she's going to let September live. She real she's my life is going to be dictated by September, but that will change. I like that. I think I usually imagine books ending with this kind of forever tone to it because the character no longer exists in the world after the book. I feel like authors, I've always interpreted as like they're wrapping it up and this is how it always is. But I think you're right that no, they're just ending at that moment and then we get to decide what we think happens beyond that. Yeah, I think my feeling is a really talented author takes both into consideration, right? Tells you that it plants those seeds as to what they want you to take take away and also gives you space to input your own ideas, right? If it's too open-ended, you're just going to run away with it. It's going to be like a choose your own adventure. Did you ever do those when you were a kid where you can just make up the story? They plant something, they plant the ideas, but then you get to go with it. Otherwise you would read series. You would keep on reading series because you'd want to keep reading about knowing about that person's life and have that author dictate it to the end. But instead authors often, I'm sure you hear this because you, you listen to like podcasts by authors where authors talk about their work as like a, it's a cohesion between their writing and the reader, right? Their writing does not exist without the reader Mm -hmm. and the reader has to be able to put their own conclusions and ideas into the book. So you can take both of those. Yeah, that it's, even if I feel like people often when they interview authors, they want to know what the author meant by it. And I usually want to know that thing too, but I think the power in the book, in books is just what each person takes from it. And it's, like you said, it's all different based on what your life has been, what you take from the book. 
Yeah, it's all context. That's it's such an important thing to think about, not only in reading, but in life in general, is that everything we look at in life is from our own context. Mm-hmm. And the more we can recognize that, the more that we can shed it and open our hearts up to understanding that people love differently. I want to go back to trying to understand some of the things that happened in this time leading up to when July has a revelation that September actually is dead. Because there are a couple of things that, like this book is written in a spooky, haunted way. And you're always questioning, is July a reliable narrator? Obviously, we know she's not because September wasn't alive for most of this. And I know I'm a pretty literal reader. And I think you see a little more in between the lines. So I'm looking forward to getting your perspective on some of these things. So first, okay, to confirm just that we both read it the same way. Up until the time when John, the local boy, comes back to the house and they have sex again. And up until that moment, July thinks September is literally alive and living with her. And then somehow has this revelation, oh, my God, September's dead. And then she hits John with binoculars. I didn't totally see how that what made her hit John with the binoculars I don't remember that scene really vividly um but you were really surprised by that being her reaction right the way she told it it was almost like as if September came down the stairs and then September in her mind was hitting John with the binoculars but it was of course her So I'm guessing it was kind of like a rage of emotions and realizing my sister's dead. And that also throughout this whole time, she thought John truly confused her in September and was like, this is kind of weird that he did this. But I I felt bad for this John guy. He played a very important role in having being the thing that made July recognize the truth of the situation. But yeah, I saw it as July really thought that September was there and September was doing that. And that would be something that September would do. And that July had no control over those emotions at that moment. Okay, so another part that was confusing to me about the July-September fusion was when July is seemingly cutting something out of her arm. Do you remember that part? Yes. I'm oh, with you on the interpretation there. of, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, that's something that I feel was really left still a mystery at the end. I, I What I guess is that was kind of, July trying to actually cut September out of her, like seeing September is so much a part of her. She said, I I know September's face better than I know my own. I know September's body writing. So I think she saw September such a part of her that she had to physically cut her out. And I'm guessing that's what that was, but I never even got the clarification of if it was real. Did her mom ever make reference to those bandages? Did Was that a real thing? Was she really cutting herself? I don't know if her mom made reference to it, but it there was in July's telling of it a moment where her mom comes in seemingly and helps her bandage it up. But yeah, I think that interpretation could be what it is. It also made me think about all the other times that July hurt herself by September telling her to throughout the book and wondering again how reliable is July. It almost makes I Like I said, I thought September was evil. So it was easy for me to believe that September was playing September Says the way July told us and always had her, the way she had her cut her neck, which that sounded really bad that one time. They cut their thumbs on the box cutter. But, you know, as I'm thinking about it now, I'm thinking maybe July 
was more of an instigator than I realized. Maybe she was more kind of part of starting these things, or maybe these stories are made up. You don't really know. Yeah, as if the cutting the she's making up the whole part about cutting her herself or potentially it does. It seems real to me. I feel like they did those things. But just this one particular one with the cutting the stuff out of her arm was especially hard to understand. It was, yeah, just not described in a very clear way, which I'm sure was on purpose. (laughs) Yeah, I feel I think it was to me, it was one of the things that just led to more of that. What did they call it? A gothic thriller something Mm -hmm. like it just led to that creepy feeling the settle house was creepy september was dark and ominous and this was and like the final hide and seeking that they had where she like found the spaces between the walls and you're every moment wondering if something's going to happen to her and like just everything i felt like that was just one of those things that just added to the darkness of the book but i wonder if it was purposely left that vague or if it was a missed opportunity to to at least a li- give us a little bit of um, rounding that corner. It it just felt. I talked to before about the there's the cohesion between the author and the reader. I wonder if it just left a little bit too much unknown. Mm. Yeah, a little bit to be desired. <laughs> to be yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I started listening to an interview with Daisy Johnson, and she shared that this book didn't start with the sister dynamic. It started with her wanting to write about a haunted house in a different kind of way. And I thought that was interesting because I assumed it started with the sisters were so central to me. I assumed that's how the book began as an idea. And then it made me see more of these metaphors that kept coming up throughout the book about houses, which I didn't really see until I don't think I would have seen that if I wasn't reading this for a podcast with you and going back and looking at things again. So I like that, that it doing this makes me slow down and notice the details that I'm sure took take authors so much thought and insight to put these kind of things together. And I can often miss them. And she had, yeah, so many different quotes about houses. And there's one from Sheila about always knowing that houses are bodies. And then later or July is talking about the house and she says if brains are houses with many rooms then I am the basement if brains are houses with many rooms then September lives in every single one I was like oh that just makes me shudder yeah and I think we all have people like that in our lives that we have all of those people that we I know we've had these conversations before that you give like prime real estate to you give free rent free like room and board in the penthouse to people that don't definitely did not pay their way there did not do are not owed that spot and july did that for september september did not do that for july right july lived in a just one room in september's house actually you know what now that i'm saying that may not be true they may have both done that for each other just in very different ways right? Like July was everything to September and September was everything to July. But September was almost, it's almost like July lived in every room in September's house, whereas September was like painted on all the walls. There was no way for July to escape her. Yes. She was the house and the walls and the rooms. Yeah. There, there's a book that, that this made me think of, especially when they when uh, Daisy Johnson had the chapter from the perspective of the house. And also just 
like the fact that the house became like a character and it's called in the dream house and it's by i'm gonna butcher her last name i think is carmen maria machado perhaps and it's is she it's a, about a it's a memoir so it's actually a nonfiction, but it's about her relationship an abusive toxic traumatic relationship that she had and she it, it, and it takes place within this house what she calls the dream house and it doesn't actually start there it goes through a couple different a couple different places but it definitely what she what the author does is make the house a character right the main character to the point where the book is called the dream house whereas what's interesting is that daisy johnson who didn't even need to write a book about sisters called her book sisters and yet place play, plays such an important part it made me wonder is there meaning behind the way she named the house the settle house like something about settling and being settled or grounded or is that just like a british phrase or it made me wonder does that mean something or are we looking too deep into it yeah yeah i didn't really think about it it was like one of those things that we talked about last time or in the last book we talked about it's our own bliss where we were like I think Shauna said that there was, she listened to a podcast where an author was said, yeah, people read way too much into something. Yeah. <laughs> I just came up with that. <laughs> I didn't mean anything by it. Yeah. There's settle as in like settling down, creating roots, but there's also settling. Like I settled for something that I maybe could have. Yes. Better. Which is definitely it's like that whole family. That's what's happening. We haven't even really talked about the mom and I just feel like her story is so sad. Like this poor woman. She's got no one in her life helping her. She clearly is struggling with her mental health, was in an abusive relationship, and then just seemingly lives in isolation, floundering. Is that the word? Just not thriving at all to take care of herself or her daughters. But we didn't go, we didn't yeah. actually get too deep into Sheila. She was always a little bit of a peripheral character. Uh, yeah, I feel like we could have a whole other book on Sheila. What are your thoughts about Sheila? I don't feel like I gave her much attention. Like, I think that because the chapter that she had, she only had the one chapter. So I think, I think I, the chapter in which Sheila talked, what gave us more information was when my brain was really in the, like, that theory, is it real? Oh, September <laughs> real. Yeah, I think I was like, I cheated Sheila a little bit because I, my, my concentration was elsewhere. So I think I, I still look at Sheila as just an afterthought, which maybe that's what Daisy Johnson wanted her to be because she did name the novels sisters, right? And it was mostly from September and July's perspective. It was. And the girls seemed to, July seemed to really love her mom and want a relationship with her. But even she had said things like, in that, I think she had a quote, something like, in that moment, I knew what it was like to be, or I wondered what it was like to be a mother to children who don't need you. So even the girls saw her as peripheral. Yeah. Which as a parent of an only child, I was thinking how nice and how interesting that would be to have my kid not need me. Like she's six and she's an only child. So she very much needs me right now. But how, when she has like, like I thought about when I read that part, I thought about when Izzy has somebody over after school. I'm like, wow, I am so much less needed if there's somebody else here. And I can't mm -hmm. imagine if they were, if I had two kids and they were less than a year apart from each other and they grew up together from the beginning, how much more so that would be, right? Izzy needs me as a sounding board. Help me 
see what I'm seeing in life. She needs to ask mm. me questions. She needs me to interpret how things are, me to define stuff for her, explain stuff. But if she had a sibling, especially the one that is as close as July and September are, I probably, I would not be as needed. Yeah, that is very interesting. Thankfully, she doesn't have a September. (laughs) (laughs) There's not of a September. The other thing about the mom, about Sheila, is that she also very much had her own life. And she was, she seemed to play that role of the tortured artist, whether it's tortured because of her children, but, or because of her art. I don't know that artists are really tortured by their art. They're tortured by something in life then that makes their, and I don't mean this for all artists. All artists don't have to be tortured, but. The ones that maybe are tortured probably by something else in their life that then gets reflected in their art. And that's exactly what Sheila did. She was very tortured by her daughter's relationship with each other and by September specifically. And she made art out of that. And then she was really consumed by that. That was what she worked. She escaped her daughters to go work on that art. That was her escapism. And I think Sheila mentioned at one point trying to bring the girls to therapy or something. And that's just like quickly not working. And I remember feeling frustrated like you even mentioned earlier maybe September could have been different if she had support like therapy or something or medicine and feeling like oh mom you know how come you didn't try more but the mom had all her own mental health issues that weren't being treated either so I I see how that kind of just slipped through the cracks I've also read the read something one time about how parents often are or not I don't know if it's often there is situations in which parents can be intimidated by their children, that especially when their children are given many more opportunities or have more financial stability or have a world in which just more is open and available to them. If you think about how our parents grew up as versus the way that we grew up, my, my mom was born and raised in the same town, married, married two different guys from the same town, has lived her whole life there and very different from my world, which is really open. And, and I think about that with my mom, that she looks at all of her kids and thinks there's like things in our lives that she would have never been able to achieve or wanted to achieve herself, but that is intimidating. And I'm sure Sheila felt that same way. Like she would avoid coming down to eat when the girls were down there because she just didn't know how to interact with September. She even says, I can't remember the quote, but she even says to July at one point, something like I knew, or maybe July says what she thinks Sheila is thinking, which is, I know, I know how September will react to this. We've got to, we've got to make sure we like cater to to September's reactions. And so I think Sheila was just, she escaped into her art. She was maybe not as a, she wasn't as a strong of a personality as her daughters were. And uh, she was intimidated by them. I can definitely see it. She was intimidated by them and maybe almost even they were such a unit you could imagine feeling left out even as the mother and the parent and their two teenagers, but they were just so insular that everybody else was excluded. Anyone else would be around them. And I think part that was, I don't know if scary is the word for me, the way that the mom saw the worst in September, like that time on Halloween when she assumed September probably did something bad. And she saw it in herself and was like, oh God, I can't believe I feel that way. And to me that, I think I get so nervous of, oh God, can you imagine not being able to see the best in your own child? That feels so scary I think is the word (laughs) yeah absolutely I never even thought of it that way but yeah I can't imagine it's the exact opposite than the problem that most of us have right that we feel like our children are all so damn special do no wrong right yeah no they wrong 
they wrong. You're <laughs> still a baby. No. <laughs> they wrong. But they're just like so special as opposed to the opposite, right? Of like, of what Sheila may have felt. And then I had to talk about mom guilt. We have so many instances, so many ways to feel guilty as moms. And now you created something like September. That's true. And if you're, there's so much big nature nurture debate, no one knows what makes more of a difference, but parents are blamed for who their kids turn out to be. And I think oftentimes more so than is realistic. I, I think parents do have, con- have a certain amount of influence on their children, but they do not have total influence. And yeah, that Sheila would face that. Although what's interesting is that if you think about their community, they wouldn't have, it definitely seemed like the community knew that July and September were odd kids and teachers described them as disruptive and weird and what, I forget the words they used, but the community wouldn't know exactly the circumstances of September's death, like what they had been out there to do. It would seem totally accidental and all just like sad and a tragedy. And their family was actually saved by people not knowing why they were out there. That September had a knife on her and Lord knows what she was planning on doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I never even thought of that, that no one else would have known because the two people who knew one is dead. And I don't think the other one, at least at this point in her life, when the book ends, even recognizes like that was a, an odd thing to do or a bad thing to do. Talking about this, like relationship between mom and children also makes me think of this one quote where she, where it was in Sheila's chapter where she talks and she says, they were so young at 10 and 11, they seemed barely older than six. The curls of their childlike language, the ribbons they insisted she plait into her hair, their hair. As teenagers have been even more noticeable, how different they were from the other children at school, clever but stunted, naive, happily young. At, often she wondered if they held each other inside childhood, arms around one another, clinging on. And that's such an interesting way to think about it. As a mother, it almost feels really passive, right? There's nothing I could have done. They had their arms around one another, clinging on. They were holding each other back and there's nothing that I could have done about it. And I think that's where that kind of roots that idea of intimidation for me. She didn't see that she had a way of changing that dynamic. Yeah, it didn't seem like she saw herself as having any power or agency within her own family. And that, that was, I remember that quote and thinking, what was it that made them in this kind of stunted? Was it almost... Was it their attachment to each other? Siblings, I feel like, oftentimes go through these ebbs and flows. They're very close to each other, then they're close to their friends, and then they, they come back and forth to it. And it seems crazy to say, oh, it'd, it'd be a bad thing for them to stay so close forever. It's a great thing for siblings to stay close, but in the, in their situation, maybe it wasn't so great. Yeah, that there is some, there's an a, autonomy that has to happen that was not in that situation. I wonder how often that happens with siblings, especially two siblings. And I would guess that maybe two siblings of the same gender that are close in age, that might happen a lot. It would be an interesting study to see families that have just two siblings close in age of the same gender. Do they grow up almost as like two parts of a whole? Or I guess not that clean, but do they they grow up more conjoined than other siblings do? Yeah, that would be really interesting to see. 
One thing that I wanted to reference that I think was one of the things that helped me think that September did not exist is, did you notice how many times Daisy Johnson talks about them eating in the settle house, but September always turns down the food? Yes, I had noticed that in the first half and was always just, this is weird. Why does she never eat? And then after you had that theory and I, a part that I had read, I was like, it's because she's a ghost or because she's not real. Yeah. What did you want to say about her? Not yeah, that, that was it. That was like, she's always opening the cans, which is like not take July, not taking responsibility for what she's doing, which seemed very much part, a part of July's life. And uh, like September wrinkling her nose at food. I just, that was definitely one of the things when I went back and reread and I highlighted stuff that I was like, yeah, September's not real. September's not real until I got to that point. So much of it was this idea that she's not eating. And we referenced this last time too. There was something about when Daisy Johnson said that we were, all three of us were in the kitchen that like all three of us didn't fit into. That there was something mm. about the way that she said that I was like, it's because all three of them are not in there right now. Yeah. One of them had to get up on the counter. There wasn't room. And it, that was that almost as going back to all the metaphors about houses and rooms and space, like their family didn't have room for the three of them almost there was only ever room for two people. And usually that was July and September. And then in the end, it's in the end, some ways it's July and her mom, but it, it's also still July and September who there's only room for. Yeah. It's almost like, it's interesting that September is the one that died, but in the end, it's, it's still the only one that there's room for. She's still the one that's taking, that's like sucking all the energy out of the room. And now I'm thinking about that moment when Sheila was drawing all these pictures of September around the house. And July found the pictures and said, was confused because she said, always when mom draws things that we're both always in the picture. And then after September died, she made these series of photos with or pictures that she drew with mm. just September in them. Like she was all that was left. Which is, I think about this when I hear stories of families who have lost children and you hear about this conflict where the parent is so devastated by their loss which I totally understand. And then like, how do they be so devastated, but then keep living for the children who are still there and that the children who are still living can sometimes feel like neglected by their parents' grief. And I can see how that's an impossible situation to be in because you are stuck not knowing what to focus on. Yeah, you have to find your escape. You have to find the thing that allows you to escape from that because how do you live in that? How do you live in this space in which when you're in a, which your child dies, even if it's September? What I'm curious about is what do you think Sheila's books, do you think Sheila's books after this are still with both of the daughters? I don't know. There's three different angles, right? There's the, she goes back to writing about both because she eventually accepts the fact that September is gone and she goes through her grieving process and she goes, starts writing about both. There's also the world in which she just writes about September because there's nothing that that helps a parent get over that. And then there's the world in which she actually switches and starts just writing about July because now, because she obviously always gleaned her ideas from real life. So if September's not there anymore, then maybe eventually she gets to the point where she's writing about just July and her life because she can start to understand what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Or number four, she stops writing. I was actually thinking of a number four, number five that she's, writes books about them separately. There are some books about September alone and some books about July alone. Yeah, I think I imagine 
September staying in the book somehow. Yeah, I don't think, I think a mother would feel like she had abandoned her child if she cut that child out. And if September is not so, not the same equal partner that July is in the books, I think she's still there. Do you have any last thoughts on Sisters? I loved it. I think it was such a great read. I'm so glad I accidentally came across it and that you wanted to read it with me. And I'm Daisy Johnson has another book that I plan on reading and I highly recommend this book. I think I forwarded, it, I sent the link to my mom to say, to read it. And I said, it's a little dark because I think it's darker than she would read, but it's just so good, especially just as a mother daughter relationship. It's just, there's some really felt, there's some parts in that you just, you can really feel them, you know, they're just, I don't know how else to say that, but just to be like, I just, I felt like I could really, without being in this situation of what Sheila and her children were in, I could feel for their relationship. Yeah, I would describe this book. I wouldn't say this is a book that I outright loved the way I get really into other books. But I think also part of that is that this was just such a different style of writing than I'm used to. And so it's a book I feel like I recommend for different reasons of pushing myself outside the usual genre I read and reading things. Usually I don't read things that have any element of kind of, and this actually didn't have any like unnatural elements to it, but it wasn't literally written. And I feel like I learned and gained a lot by reading it, by having it be written in a different way about different topics and about this very complicated relationship between not just the sisters, anyone else who came up in the book. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It is a good like introductory novel if you're not sure how you feel about intertwining fantasy into it's fiction, right? So it's all fantasy, but intertwining fantasy into what could otherwise be reality. It's a good mm -hmm. introduction to it. Be interesting to know if you, you start to go that direction, if you start to experiment a little bit more. Because you recently, you started The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray, right? By Walter Mosley. Yes, but I actually did not. I couldn't, I didn't like the first 20 or so pages. And so I put it down. Did it have any of those fantasy elements yet in the first 20 or so pages? No. Okay. I wondered if that was what d detracted you from it, but I didn't realize that book had fantasy elements to it. Yeah. And so just, I just wonder, it would be interesting to see if you start, if you pick up other books that have fantasy elements and how this is, because it's what I talked to you, talked to you and Shauna about in Sorrow and Bliss was like, at some point, like I used to just think that reading fiction was a waste of time. And then at some point I switched and was like, oh no, reading fiction is great. You just need the thing that kind of opens you up to it. So it'll be interesting to know if that's what happens for you. Yes, I would like to try more in the fantasy realm. I've started several books in that category that I've not stuck with, but I don't think it's like the whole genre because I actually, I think I used to feel the same way as you about fantasy that you felt about fiction, of, but I want to read about like things in the real world or a story that could have been my own life. But now I see more the amazing creativity that goes into making up things that don't exist. And I recently read another, I think it would be considered another gothic thriller that wasn't super about, wasn't like necessarily totally fantasy, but it involved cloning technology. This was kind of like futuristic. And I really liked that. And so I would like to try more in the fantasy realm. 
We should pick another, a fantasy book, a fantasy like realm book to read together. We have a listener audio coming up from Stephanie Sava, who is a writer, English teacher, and researcher in myths, fairy tales, and magical realism. She has written a novel, so cool, called I Dreamt of Saltwater and Eggs, and I'll link to her Instagram book account, The Book Menagerie, in the show notes. Stephanie, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. I read uh, Sisters about a year ago um, after having read Everything Under by Daisy Johnson as well. And I absolutely adored the way this story was constructed. It's a painful narrative, a multi-layered painful narrative. So it's hard to say that, you know, I loved the story, but I did absolutely love the way the story was told, the way it was constructed. Some of the standout parts for me um, would be one, the way the house is kind of personified through the sisters' um, experiences. I really like that idea of um, the characters becoming one with their with their living space. Um, the uncertainty in the beginning um, that then carries through those questions until the end was another thing that I found uh, was done incredibly well. The very atmospheric, um, almost hypnotic descriptions are absolutely wonderful. Um, I'm thinking um, some of the moments when um, the the main narrator is uh, is kissing the boy on the sofa. There's something very dreamlike about that whole thing. And I also really enjoyed the the fact that by the end of this book, I was still unsure about what exactly happened. I still had questions because I think this is not the kind of story where it's a mystery and by the end of it you will know the answers it will be solved it's it's a question it's a, it's a massive question about family connections sisterhood um, trauma and how we react to traumatic experiences domesticity and I don't think this is necessarily the kind of book to read if you um, enjoy mystery and you like getting to the end and finding out the answers. This is a very meditative book in a way. It's a meditation around those questions. And maybe that's why I enjoyed it uh, so much. Um, there's also something fairy tale like um, about the descriptions of the mother, which again, I didn't expect going in but I absolutely enjoyed throughout and having all of this story told through this unreliable narrator I think is what holds this together. I did not trust the narrative voice once throughout this. Um, maybe the first couple of pages um, I went in very very trusted towards them um, but slowly you 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 realize that the, you know the more you move on uh, with the plot, the more unreliable they become, and the more frustrating it gets because you want the answers but you never quite get them. Um, 
yeah, generally, I think it falls very similar patterns to um, everything under in the way it's structured. And personally, I think it's exciting to see where Daisy Johnson will go next and how she's going to um, maybe outdo sisters with the next one. You know what would make this podcast even better? Me saying like less. And more importantly, this show would be better if you were on it. We want every episode to include audio messages from you. To make this happen, you need to know what the episodes will be about ahead of time. And I can share that with you when you get the podcast newsletter. Sign up at donttalktomepod.com. And you know that thing they all say about please leave me a review? It would be really cool if you did that. So give it a thought. Hopefully a five-star thought. Thank you. Thank you.